Buenos dias. Good day. My name is Leroy Pacheco, President and CEO of the New Mexico Community Development Loan Fund. We're a nonprofit organization that has been in business for over 30 years. We've made over $112 million of small business loans and created over 12,000 jobs in the last 30 years. I've been working in banking, small business administration, nonprofits for over 50 years. I'm pleased today to bring you a bilingual workbook developed by Dr. Marvin Lozano and his wife, Dr. Michaela Rivera, psychologist. I think you're gonna be excited to take a look at a bilingual approach for Latinos throughout the United States and elsewhere. I am pleased to announce today that we have developed a bilingual approach workbook that I believe will be a resource for those of you that own or run family-owned businesses. You will see the importance of culture. You will see the importance of good planning, good organizational charts with roles that are describing exactly what your cousin, your grandmother, your aunt, your father, your mother should be doing in the success of your family-owned businesses. Come and take a ride with us. I think you'll enjoy it. Come and learn about balancing business, family, and culture. I invite you to take a look at this workbook. You will hear also testimonials from successful business owners throughout the United States. They will tell you intimate details about their own family business and the generations that go back in making sure that culture and family is integrated into the operation of a successful business. Again, take a ride with us. I welcome you to take a look at this workbook. I hope it will become another tool in your toolbox for successful business. Gracias. Hi, my name's Michaela Rivera, and I'm a clinical psychologist. I have many years of experience in working with children, youth, and families, mostly Latinos, much of the time. And I've also done administration of human services as well. So a few years ago, uh, I was fortunate to be able to co-author a book with Marvin Lozano, who's here today. We're here together uh, talking about our book, The U.S. Latino Entrepreneur's Guide to Balancing um, Business, Family, and Culture. And we have a very engaging and interesting uh, guest with us today. So uh, I want to turn it over to Marvin. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rivera. I, too, am uh, uh, delighted to be here today, and I am uh, um, looking forward to uh, having an opportunity to interview uh, uh, a very successful entrepreneur, Tony Trujillo, in, in, uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so what brought me here is a journey through uh, as, as a young man, when I was reading his book, um, I, I saw some similarities that I experienced. I was a monolingual uh, young student myself. I didn't, I didn't speak uh, strong English. And so I, uh, I learned to become very proficient in English. I thought that was the way uh, for myself to, to, uh, to do the things I wanted to do down the road. And that was uh, to uh, become... Uh, an entrepreneurial uh, consultant. In those years, it was to, to go somewhere that my family had not been. Uh, they were hard workers, but uh, my mom used to say 
Someday you'll wear a white shirt, although I'm not wearing one today. <laughs> that was the goal, right? And so I've gone on through a pretty successful journey through uh, lenders, starting with CDFI to commercial uh, banks with those opportunities and on to teaching uh, at community colleges and, and uh, several universities. So I, I'm very happy to be here because as uh, Dr. Rivera mentioned, we jointly wrote this book after many years of reflecting on the need for a book like this that would be focusing on Latino businesses that integrate uh, balancing uh, business, family, and culture. As I said, we're, we're very uh, excited about having uh, uh, Mr. Tony Trujillo here with us today, a very successful entrepreneur with a very wonderful story to share. Let you know he too is an author. He's, <laughs> he's actually, uh, written a, a book from his many uh, uh, many experiences that he'll be sharing with you today. And uh, I'll just put the book up a little bit. The title is From the Barrio to the Boardroom. And it, it, it's a very, very uh, interesting book that you all are, are able to, to uh, buy and learn from uh, to become successful entrepreneurs the way he is. Uh, but just briefly, uh, what led, I, I think, and he can tell you more about this, um, would be as he began through his journey to become a successful entrepreneur. But he's definitely someone who's dedicated uh, to his grandchildren, and, and he's written the book with an effort to give them something that uh, will help them navigate the world of business so that they too can grow. And he's, he's very humble in, in saying that he, he definitely shows gratitude to his family and many friends and, and associates uh, that have helped him uh, and help him share his, his story and his experience. He was born and he was raised in Martinez Town here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, and entered uh, school as, as what's typically referred to uh, as a strictly a Spanish speaker. Some folks would say a monolingual, which is to speak uh, Spanish, but through the help of encouraging teachers and through his, his drive and his determination, uh, he learned English and became an honor roll student. And of course, that translated into his success uh, as he took his first job out of high school um, with Holman's House of Maps. And that, that business uh, subsequently grew into a successful, high-tech, multi-million dollar business. So um, very, very successful individual. Uh, and so what I'd like to do is, is uh, then ask uh, Tony, uh, Mr. Trujillo, to begin with uh, telling us a little bit about his formative years and what led uh, him to Holman's. Well, thank you for the nice introduction. Appreciate that. Um, so I needed a job and uh, I was looking uh, uh, for what was available back in 1966. And Holman's was located on the corner of Copper and Wyoming. You may have rem yes. may remember that. And it was a small mom-pa shop. Uh, we sold maps, books, and drafting supplies primarily. And when I walked in and interviewed with Mr. Holman uh, and hired me at this, on, on the spot, um, I thought, well, I'll take this job because I have a family and I need to work to make money. And so, but in the meantime, I had other applications with AMREP, which was in Rio Rancho, the land development company that developed uh, Rio Rancho. 
And I also had another one with the uh, Southern Union Gas Company, now New Mexico Gas. After two weeks of working at Holman's, there's something about it. It just, I just mm-hmm. fell in love with it. The customers, the products, it just seems to me this is so natural for me. Because I had taken some drafting classes in high school and I, I've taken some at, uh, back then it was called Albuquerque TVI, now it's uh, Central New Mexico University. Uh, so in doing so, I really liked what, it was, what was going on. So I get the job offer because uh, I, I had applied for a civil tech internship and AMRAP needed one. I said, nah, I don't think so. Back then, you know, Rio Rancho was way out west, you know? Yeah. And of course, now it's connected so well to the city. And the other one was the gas company. And uh, that one had a lot of things to offer, you know, the benefits, the uh, college and things, and they had a civil tech uh, internship available. So I mentioned to the HR persons, I said, you know, I've really been wanting to get into your organization, but I think I found something that I really like. And he says, Tony, don't worry about it. If it doesn't work out, I'll get you in. That's all I needed to hear. I never called him back because obviously I stuck with Holman's and uh, and ended up uh, really getting involved with the aspects of business. And I had a good mentor with Mr. Holman. It was Mr. Holman and Mrs. Holman. Mrs. Holman ran the map department. And we had, back in those days, before the Google days, we had the topo maps, you know, with topography and stuff, and you'd come and buy the area that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had land, you could buy it for that, for legal descriptions, or if you're going hunting or fishing, you had that. And then Mr. Holman did the drafting supplies, the technical books, and many other things that he had at the time mm-hmm. at this uh, old store. And so, my job was really just working in the retail at that time uh, and, and getting to know the, the, uh, the business. So I, I was mentored with Mr. Holman. He was a graduate of the University of Tennessee. Uh, she came from South Carolina. And of course, I come from Martinestown, the body of Martinestown. <laughs> so you can imagine um, they, they had the Southern accent. So if you hear a little Southern drawing me, you know where I picked that up, you know. So I, I started there and he... Uh, because he graduated from the University of, of Tennessee in engineering. He also was a, uh, served in the Marine Corps. And so, uh, but he had a natural ability for business. He knew how to run business. And I think where I came in is, uh, even though I didn't want to do sales, I didn't want to do uh, business, and I didn't want to do technology at the time. I had no interest in that. I wanted to do civil tech, you know. But after a time, it just sort of embraced me and just took, took over. And little by little, I learned more about sales. I overcame my shyness when I was speaking with people and uh, learned about the products and started working on that. So he then taught me the business aspects, you know, how to sustain a business because he had come from the Depression era. And so he understood what it was when when no jobs were available, no money was available, and food was very limited. He understood that. And so I, I kind of gathered that because I grew up with my grandparents. And so basically, uh, they were in that same situation at one time. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of why I started my journey into homeless. In, in, that, in that respect. Real simple. Very interesting. It, it almost sounds like it felt like home. It did. It did. In many ways. It definitely was. And even though we called it back then the home is the house of maps, you know, 
uh, we had a big billboard out in the corner of Copper and Wyoming where it said Holman's has the maps, you know, and, and, and Mrs. Holman would uh, wallpaper all the maps on the, on the walls, the ceiling and everything else. So you really felt like you really got into something. And then of course, all the technical supplies. Keep in mind, technology wasn't in at that point in time. So everything was done manually. With, with slide rules that we were talking about, scales and things like that, you know? Okay. Yeah, Interesting. Well, I, I was interested in what inspired you at Holman's to decide that leadership would be one of the paths and contributions you were going to make? So that, that evolved. Um, and I think I learned a lot from Mr. Holman on that as far as uh, leading people, uh, you know, being a Marine, you had to be very disciplined with him, you know, okay. and that was fine with me because I, mm -hmm. I probably needed that back in, because I started when I was roughly 19 years old. So um, it was, it was an, a learning experience for me. But I, I think uh, what I started learning is you start uh, hiring people and you start working with them and training them. And you learn right off the bat that you have to take time to train. And it's not an issue if it's a training issue, you know, in, un, until the person is not learning what they've been taught after the second, maybe even the third time. They get, in my, in my uh, uh, explanation, you get three strikes. Mm -hmm. Third one, you're out. And so you start learning a little bit about leadership in that respect. If you're not going to work out, it's probably better, mutually better for both parties to, to depart. And, and they move on to something else and you fire, find somebody else to, to replace them in that respect. So, but as far as uh, the leadership of the business, uh, I started getting very interested in doing more with the business. I saw the opportunities and talking with people. Uh, we, we had people that would walk in that were directors at Sandia National Laboratories. Uh -huh. And Mr. Holman would introduce them to me. And a week later, they'd come back, because we had the technical books. These are books on mathematics, physics, chemistry. You know, don't ask me anything about those. I had no clue. I, I, got, I checked them in and priced them and put them on the shelf and things like that. And I knew where they were, because I had a good memory back in those days. Um, but the memory that really helped me is I would remember their name. Uh -huh. So the next time, the next time they come into the store, I would remember, and they, they would, it would just blow them away, you know, that I would remember them such a short notice. So that started to show some promise in knowing more about the customer and learning more about the customer. And by learning more about the customer, my goal has always been to anticipate the customer's needs. What are they going to need today? And what are they going to need tomorrow? And whoever does that well, is going to be very successful in business. So you were trying to keep a step ahead. Always. And build a relationship. Absolutely. Built on respect. Yes. For the people. Yep. Okay. And you did that by good customer service. You did that by communication. Always following up with a customer if they had placed an order with you. Try to always uh, call them and let them know the status. Uh, you know, we, we just finished up going through a pandemic and then we get out of that and we get into supply chain. You know, we handle products by, by, from Hewlett Packard, an Apple computer company. You may know of those companies. Yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, we just celebrated 50 years with Hewlett Packard. We started with them in 1972 
with this product right here. I remember that. The HP 35. When it first came out. And so uh, this is the product that I introduced to Holman. And it took me a while to get Mr. Holman to let me put this in our inventory, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we went through, I would request it, and we say he would say no. I'd go back a second time, he'd say no. The third time, he'd say, read my lips, hell no. And so, <laughs> but I wouldn't take no for an answer, you know. I knew that this is the future of Holman's, you know, the beginning of something really exciting to happen. So he finally caved in to me. Of course, he outlined some, some specifications for me that I needed to share with Yellow Packard. And they came back and they agreed to those. You know, so, you know, the training, the support, and things of that nature that when you're running a business, you have to have those things so that you could provide that, that kind of support and training for your customers. So he allowed me to go ahead and take it on. So the minimum order was for 10 units plus one demo. $395, plus. That's a lot of money in 1972. That was a lot of money then. And so, and he didn't think I could sell them, okay? So what do you think I sold in the first 30 days? At least 10 of them, probably. Okay, right. what's your guess, Marvin? Well, probably more than I sold 300 of them. Oh, really? And, and uh, in the first 30 days, first 30 days, one a day, pr pretty much. Is that right? And he didn't think I could sell these to students. I said, no, Mr. Holman, if you're at the University of Mexico, take New Mexico or any other college, taking mathematics or, or right. engineering or whatever, right. this is a godsend because you can, all your trig functions are here, all your log functions are here. And this is how we were doing it before. I do remember that. Slide, of course, we remember the slide rule. <laughs> So fortunately, I had sold these to the schools and the students and their parents ah. and people at Sandia. So the transition from here to here was really simple for me. Okay. It was just selling a, a better product than, than that's ever been invented, you know? So we, we, uh, we had those kind of moments where you, sure. you have to reinvent a business on a, on a regular basis. You can't get stagnant or complacent you're always looking at how do I advance my business? How do I re-engineer homas to another level? So you you're know? always looking down the road. Think What's about coming it. next? Yes, you think about it. We have maps that became GIS, Geological Information Systems, ultimately Google and uh, in the internet. Uh, we have surveying that became GPS, Global Positioning Systems. So surveyors and engineers and contractors start using uh, GPS for that. Mm -hmm. Faster, it's more accurate. Uh, uh, drafting became CAD, computer-aided yeah, drafting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of these things evolved into technology, mm -hmm. and we were right there. We were just talking earlier uh, about these large format printers we had. They started out with uh, little pin plotters and stuff. Eventually, mm -hmm. they came out with a new uh, uh, inkjet technology, mm -hmm. and it, it can print a, a, a photograph in almost vivid color and almost original. It's that, it's that wow. good. It's beautiful. Right. That's the kind of technology that was involving. And we just, we just, you know, just grabbed it and went with it. You know, it, I'm not going to say it was easy because the learning right. curve right. back then was really something else, but we managed to, to hang in there and stay and, and do well with it. You know, as you're talking, I, I was thinking something keeps clicking in my mind about what you said earlier. And I looked down at, at uh, some of the notes I had, and that's the determination, right? 
And then when you, to think that you sold that many units in the time frame that you did, you know, that, that shows the determination that you had as a right young person. And then it just, it just, you know, it, you, you begin to use it in, in the work you did to build what you know. It's really interesting. So which leads into the next question in, in a way. And that, that's how did you balance business, family, and culture um, across time? In, in building your business, right? So that's a challenge, and that's a good question. Um, the, you're involved in running the business, uh, building a business, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes more than once, because things change, especially in technology, it's constantly changing. And so you have to be able to stay on top of it. So that takes a lot of time. So you're running a business, you have personnel, we started out with uh, three employees at Holman's, uh, Mrs. Holman, Mr. Holman, myself. Uh, we grew to 10, we grew to 20. Before you know it, we were up to 50 employees. Uh, and all of us, back in the day, when Mr. Holman and I could handle 25 employees on a one-on-one -on -one basis, mm -hmm. that was fine. Mm -hmm. Once we got over 25 employees, things started to change, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you were more dependent on the supervisor to do some of that, uh, uh, you know, the performance reviews and things of that nature, the training. Uh, so it changed in that matter. So you're running a business, learning about new products, seeing your customers, going to conferences. You're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, depending on the, the time of the year. Uh, and on top of that, you have a family. And by that time, I, I have two, two sons, you know, at that point. And so, uh, how do you how do you show up? How do you take your your son to a soccer uh, game on Saturday? How do you do uh, take him to a soccer practice on Thursday night? You know, mm -hmm. and then you know you have to make time also to take him on a vacation, maybe to go to Disneyland, and so all of these things. Can you make it home at seven o'clock to eat dinner? You know, and then once you do that, you're go to sleep and you're you got to start it all over the next day. And, and if you don't start early, like, you know, eight o'clock, we were open eight to five. Uh, at one time we were doing more retail. We don't do as much retail. We don't do any retail now. But how do you balance that? And, uh, and, one of the, and from a business point of view, I had to be here an hour early minimum before the store opened and before the phone started ringing. That's the only time I could get things done. I could get more done in 60 minutes than I could in the entire day because you're always busy with customers, with employees. But if you have a passion for something, you do it. You know, you make it happen. Great work. Yeah. And you, and you, you know, one of the things that my grandmother sold me on is education. Uh, so I did, I've done the same thing with my children. They've all been in college. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my goal. My grandkids now, you know, mm -hmm. are going to all, and I have a great grandson now. Wow. You know, so I never thought I'd have grandkids and I have a great grandson now, you know? So anyways, it's real important. You know, I served, uh, I, I also, another thing you, you have to be involved is the community, right? Yes. Yes. You have to give back, you know, involved with the Greater Albuquerque Chamber, the Hispano Chamber. We used to have another organization, organization called the Real Grand Minority Purchasing Council. Mm -hmm. And it helped uh, a lot of the small minority owned and women owned businesses Get a, mm -hmm. get a kickstart, you know, kind of like your entrepreneurship guide. Mm -hmm. How do you get people involved in entrepreneurship and be successful mm -hmm. and stay that way? 
that, there comes a sense of sustainability. So uh, by doing that, I, you know, like the, the Hispano Chamber, I was involved in the educational committee. Mm -hmm. uh, Holman's uh, has provided over 30 scholarships to uh, students, you know, and the, the difference between our scholarship and other scholarship, the student has an opportunity to work here at our, our, our business uh, and learn about business and technology and things like that. That's a real plus for them. And then when September comes along, they can go back to school. If they want to work part-time, they can do that. Or if they want to come back the following summer, if they're going out of state. So you were flexible. Yes. Yeah, that's good. But yeah. it gives them an opportunity to 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 uh, get get exposure to the real world, you know. So uh, that, that part of it works out good. Well, mm -hmm. Tony, what tools or approaches or what relationships. I think you've talked about this a little bit, mm -hmm. but can you tell us a little bit more about the relationships that really helped you grow and survive regardless of the economy? Because I was looking back at the years that you started mm -hmm. and the decades that have passed and all of the changes that we've seen in technology and in society and in economics and in the economy. Mm -hmm. So can you speak a little bit more to that in terms of the tools, but also the approaches that you use specifically, you've talked a little about it, and the relationships that you built, which were key. I put a lot of those in my book, by the way. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I think there's a, I, got, I could sit here and talk to you for about an hour on sustainability and relationships, and those are all very important. Uh, you know, I think the first thing is you have to have a passion for your products that you, or services that you offer to your customers. You have to build a good reputation with customers, mm -hmm. but also with the community. Hence, you've got you've got to get out and network with, uh, with and get involved in organizations. Uh, and I learned a lot from that. Uh, also, what we were fortunate with our vendors like Hewlett Packard and Apple Computer, they would have workshops and seminars and and other conferences available for training and learning more about not only the existing the new product, the, the existing product, but also forthcoming product. Mm -hmm so that you can have a better idea. Uh, with the customers, it was really about, you know, building that relationship, the trust. So if you did business with me and uh, I was going to, uh, you were gonna give me an opportunity to do business with you, I wanted to make sure that I would provide you with the ultimate customer experience is what I had always intended to happen. And to pass it on to the other folks in their organization, we had to do the same thing. They had to be part of this team to drive people into it. What I really enjoyed about that, if you were really happy with my service and you gave me a referral to another customer and that, that referral came in and I started doing business with them, and before you know it, there may, I may have ended up with several referrals from you. And uh, that's like a tip, you know, like somebody giving you a tip. And so you have to work towards that end and building that relationship first and foremost, so you have that trust and respect from that customer, that you're gonna do what you say you're going to do. The and integrity. If you, and if you can't accomplish that, be, be uh, bold enough to pick up the phone, email or text nowadays, and let people know that your product's gonna be delayed or service is gonna be delayed because the part is not available. We just ran into that because of supply chain issues. Yes, that must have that been was major. Horrible. Oh yeah, current issue. Yeah, how when people want something, especially our customers, mm -hmm. they're working in the national security arena and stuff like that. 
and not be able to deliver something, that was really, really painful. But communication is important because if you let people know, I'll give you an example that Mr. Holman taught me. So we're at the corner of Copper, Wyoming, the old store. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a, a five a 7-Eleven store next door. And one day the, the phone went down. This is before computers. Mm-hmm. The phone went down. And Mr. Holman was real conservative. And he started getting concerned that the customers, if they were called Holmans, that they were gonna think we were out of business. So what does he do? He says, Tony, he gave me a roll of quarters. He said, go across the street. There's a payphone. Remember the old payphone? Yes, oh, absolutely. Uh, and and we, didn't have, we didn't have cells in those days. Right. And, and call all our customers, he gave me a list, and let them know we're not out of business that our phone is down. Now, is that communication? Is that keeping in touch with your customer, let them know what's going? And it's no different now with email or taxing or even a phone call let people know what's going on and a lot of times you know they'll forgive you you know if you let them know and the and it strikes me that the 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 referrals that were sent to you by the satisfied customers were the highest compliment you could have gotten yes that they would trust people that their relationships Mm -hmm. were built upon for you to take care of so that that's a tremendous compliment as well and that's how you build a business. You know, it's it's not easy. You know, it's not exactly. a, not a slam dunk. You have to work at it. And 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 then your 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 folks or your team that are working with you, they have to do the same thing. And, and the minute one person stops doing that, the whole team suffers. You know, we're you know right now we're under real strict contracts. I mean, we have to deliver product within three working days. We have to you know. Uh, do the servicing. We have to be cleared and in, in, uh, going into the labs and things like that. Uh, so require, there's there's a lot of requirements involved. We have to inventory merchandise and technology is moving fast. You got to keep an eye on that. That's even worse than the produce store that, you know, is going to have, you know, spoil the That's produce, true. you know. The turner, I, I would yeah. think that yeah. no. the air traffic space being no. paralyzed because of computers being down or shut down at least to a but greatly it, it, limited way. And, and uh, it was more the software in that case than it right. was the hardware. And so, uh, but yes, that those are things. They called it to a halt. Yeah. They called them Anytime to a halt. you have. So you have to try to add provisions there on, you know, you don't no longer have the quarters and the pay phones that you can call people, right? You have to do it other ways. There's a, there are, I'm hearing a lot of lessons for entrepreneurs regardless, regardless of age, right? I mean, but the, which transitions really nicely to the next question, Good. which is uh, for young entrepreneurs who want to own their own business, right? And um, they, um, they may hear a lot about cash flow and, and they may learn it uh, in a certain way when they take a, a class. Can you share or would you share um, the importance of it in your experience and the real world of running a business the way you have and and that's a very good question and and uh, a very large concern of mine for new entrepreneurs uh you know cash is king right and when you're starting off a business all your money is going into the business and if you start hiring people that's going to go into the business and then you got this thing called income tax you know that comes out and you have to pay taxes so uh and then, of course, you have utilities, you have insurances and stuff. 
So you want to surround yourself first and foremost. Let me give you the kind of like the, the logical side and then I'll give you the okay. emotional side of, of my story. So I think the, the logical part is you want to surround yourself by experts. You know, a good accountant. Accountants are invaluable. They can provide you a wealth of information from a financial point of view so that they can guide you through this good, bad economy. You need good legal advisors to make sure that you're doing things the right way. And that's the way I like doing things because I, I like to sleep at night, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and, and then you, have, you could have uh, other types of advisors, you know, that, that come into the picture uh, that help you uh, make those kinds of decisions, you know, that, that you need to make. Because sometimes along your business as it's growing, Mr. Ullman used to always tell me, too much growth could hurt you more than not enough growth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that can happen because if you have a lot of business and you don't have the cash to sustain that business, you're going to you're going to most likely go bankrupt because you're not going to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. So all the promises, all the respect, all the integrity just goes down the tubes. Mm -hmm. And you have worked so hard to maintain the business. So my grandmother used to say, and Mr. Holman taught me this too, you know, save for a save for a rainy day. You know, you make a little money. Yeah, you could pay yourself a, a bonus or whatever. But what if something happens along the way? And it's going to happen. It's happened to me every 10 years that I was in business for 50 years. So five cycles where things went wrong. We had the 9-11. The we had the recessions. We had the, the savings and loans that went back. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, loans. I remember that. And that just set the country back, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, it has an impact on your business. So mm -hmm. it's a good idea to set something aside. So you have something to sustain yourself for six months, maybe a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And then whatever's left, okay, now we can do something for ourselves. Or you might want to invest in some new equipment. One of the things that I did uh, that almost probably got me fired, uh, Mr. Holman had promoted me at that point to vice president of the company. <clears throat> so I was on my way, right? And, uh, and, and you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, when, when did you want your own business? I think I think at a point in time, probably 10 years into being in the business from 66 to 76, I said, you know, I, I want to learn how to run this business and make it my business. And so part of that was to, you know, making sure that I understood all aspects of the business. And if I didn't understand something, I'd go to a class somewhere might be CNM at night mm -hmm. or UNM, or I take something else, you know, uh, mm -hmm. as, as a seminar. Sure. But by, by, like I was saying, if you, if you try to hold some money back in case of bad times, you were able to come back even stronger than the other person, than your competitors, because you have the money to sustain yourself. Plus, you're able to maintain payroll. I'm really proud of my son and my partner, John Centuro, that, that uh, uh, have run the company. Uh, during, the, during the pandemic for two years, mm -hmm. no one lost their job. No one lost their insurance benefit mm -hmm. during that time here. You know, mm -hmm. that, was, that was amazing. That's right. That's you know, uh, that didn't happen in the restaurant industry, as you know, uh, in other industries. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
but we were able to maintain because you can't lose the talent we have. Our talent of people, uh, we have extensive training. In fact, John Centura now is running the company. He's been my partner for 30 years and he started the training program, an aggressive training program to get people more uh, up to date on what's going on. Whether it's simple Simon things or technical things, you know, we're, we're, he's doing it all. But uh, anyways, the other thing I wanted to admit, share with you that I think you need to find something that, whether it's a product or service that you have a passion for, right? Mm-hmm. You have to really have a passion. There was a thing I learned at a seminar one time called USP. Have you ever heard of that? USP? It stands for Unique Selling Proposition. It is something that is, you have to build this confidence in yourself that you can run this business. You have to learn this a product better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this unique selling proposition has to be draped all over you. So when you walk down the hallway or you talk to a customer, it comes out of you, mm-hmm. that confidence, that knowledge of knowing the product. Mm-hmm. I had an incident where we were selling surveying equipment at the time, and I had an opportunity to sell like six instruments, surveying instruments to the New Mexico Department of Transportation over on Carlisle and the freeway. Um, and the first time I went, uh, I went in there, there was one guy called Slim, Slim Cunningham, mm-hmm. big guy though. I don't know why I call him Slim. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he asked me, he was firing questions left and right and I couldn't answer him. Mm-hmm. And I felt so embarrassed, you know. And so when I walked out of there, obviously I didn't get the order. But it was a learning experience for me because the next six months later, another bid came out for six more of those instruments. And by doing that, before that, I studied my product like there's no tomorrow, day and night, setting that up, learning the specs and things like that. And then a good friend of mine told me, Tony, I'm gonna listen to my, some motivation tapes to get, I wasn't a salesman, you know, it was a guy from the barrio, you know, just trying to learn my way through uh, business and stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, but by doing that, I walked into that room and I did my demonstration flawlessly. I mean, I could have done it with my eyes closed because I mm-hmm. had practiced so many times. Practice is good, right? And, and uh, so the, there comes Slim. Right out of there, he started asking me questions, one after another, answer. Another question, answer. And finished it up at the end of the deal, said, you, you got the order. And so I'm, I walk out of that room Probably before, before I'm going out, Slim called me, Tony, Tony, I need to ha- I need to talk to you. I said, oh, shoot, I'm going to get chewed out <laughs> or something now. So he comes up to me, he says, you know, uh, are you doing anything Saturday? I says, no, I'm not. Why? He said, well, could you come over to my house and demonstrate that instrument? Because my wife and I are looking at it for uh, business we can do uh, on our own. I said, sure, you know, I can, I can bring this out to you. And so I went out to his house, I demonstrated to him, answered all these questions. It didn't take long because I had already done it. Right. And uh, he said, okay, uh, how much are you going to charge me for? I told him, here's the price. Okay. Tells his wife, is that okay? And she said, sure. You know. In the meantime, he says, she goes in the kitchen, brings me out a slice of apple pie and some coffee. Homemade apple pie. So talk about a turnaround, huh? 
you know, here I sell not only the DOT, but then I sell him the instrument and I get a piece of apple pie fresh. That, that was right. your welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you were in, huh? Yeah, that's that's right. The relationship, yeah. right? It's, it's back yeah. to that. Yeah. So, well, you've really talked a lot about preparation. Yes. When you talk about being at the store early, yep. anticipating what people need, reading and studying, learning all the kinds of things. So I have a couple of questions as we close our time towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, one question is, what has been beyond the monetary success? Because that has spoken for itself. What else about your work with Holmans has been the most satisfying for you? It's connected to the passion you've been talking about. And the second thing is, what's coming down the road? What do you see? Even if you're not as active, mm -hmm. what do you see facing us that young entrepreneurs can prepare for as well? Well, the first part I can answer pretty easily. You know, I think the uh, taking the monetary out of it, of course, it's always nice to have uh, a good income and all. But I think the just the satisfaction of and the, and the accomplishment, uh, you know, you t take myself, for instance, and a lot of people then never thought that I could do things that I have done. Mm -hmm. And I, my aim was to prove them wrong, mm -hmm. and I did. Uh, but that wasn't the satisfaction. The satisfaction was working with people, building a team, building an organization that was second to none, uh, building a customer relationship and a customer base. You know, we, we uh, currently sell to all the national labs from coast to coast. We have large contracts with uh, Sandia National Labs, uh, there with Los Alamos National Labs, Lawrence Livermore and the West Coast, all the way to Long Island. And then we have offices in Oak Ridge. We have Oak Ridge National Laboratories. We have a distribution center to have service the East. Uh, and so it goes on and on, you know. And so just having a satisfaction of proving to them that a small entrepreneur, Hispanic business could do the job. And we could do it better than even Hewlett Packard or Apple. And we have. We've proven to them that we have. We've done some really cool, innovative things where we've added value. You can get a lot of these products from different people, but they are not going to get the value that we provide on an ongoing basis, step by step, you know? And so having that, having the products that I've been exposed to, Many, many products, many of them of Fortune uh, 100, 100 companies, and having the fact that we were, were able to represent them here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then having having a relationship, like I mentioned earlier, with uh, HP for 50 years. There's no one that could say that. There's no one. It's a long time. Because we were one of the first ones, you know. Uh, just even the relationship we have with Sandia. When Sandia opened up in 1987, this just-in-time systems contracting. Mm -hmm. oh, yes. The difference when you had to, you had to, if you were going to have the product, you had to deliver the product in three working days, uh, and deliver it to the to on site. Mm -hmm. Have have it uh, inventoried, stored here, and delivered there. Uh, that was quite an accomplishment because, you know, they they are doing some really cool things over there, and with this technology. And so it's up to us to make sure that we get it done, delivered on their on their schedule, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so all of that works in. 
What did you, what do you see coming down the road? So for me, uh, it's not the end of the road, but I, I'm, I'm 76 years old now, just turned 76 here a couple, couple of weeks ago. Happy birthday. <laughs> so my end of the road coming soon, you know, but that's okay. I, uh, I, I have no, no regrets. I, I think uh, I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, right. you know, have wonderful children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. Uh, and so good friends. And so I think that down the road, I think there's, uh, with this organization especially, there's going to be some good opportunities. They're going to continue to grow. I always told my son and my partner, I took this business to the 80-yard line. It's up to you guys to take it across the goal, you know. But also follow follow the path, follow my legacy that I've built and, and Mr. Holman as well. And, uh, and I, I think that's going to happen. For new entrepreneurs, this might be a good opportunity to, to, to start a business, you know, and to follow through. One of the things that I forgot to mention early on that I think would be good as far as looking to the future, especially an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. that I did, I took a, a seminar uh, on a weekend to do a business plan. I've never okay. done anything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was pretty much right. off the cuff, right? And that's okay for a lot of people, you mm-hmm. know, to live on the edge and, you know, something works fine if nothing keep on going, right? But there's got to be a better way, you know, because after a while you get tired of these, you know, hitting yourself in the head done all the time. So I did the, I took the seminar on the business plan. I, I set it up, I did my business plan, and I followed it to the best of my ability. And I was amazed how well that worked. So my encouragement to a new entrepreneur or an existing one, do a business plan. Where's great, gonna, where great you, recommendation. Where are you yeah. today? Where are you going to be tomorrow? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do a financial, get your, your accountant to help you do a financial uh, uh, status on, on mm-hmm. what, what you want to do. I had to do a little bit of that when we took on that Cindia contract. Mm-hmm. That was a major undertaking. When we did this, the HP 35 back in, 19, in 1972, that was a major undertaking for the for our company at that time. And so you have to follow some kind of plan, mm-hmm. for financial as well as you know the product as well as is uh, the inventories and things of that nature come into it. One of the one of the things I I did do, and I think this is another part of your of answer to your question that I think will be helpful. Mr. Holman uh, mentioned to you he was from Memphis, Tennessee, and his mom lived in, still lived in Memphis, and she wasn't doing too well. So he went to go see her and visit with her, and he left me in charge. And at the time when he left me in charge, um, we were still using these old NCR machines, you know, the, the, the printed paper ledgers and all that stuff. Very time-consuming, like the Flintstones, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And anyway, I had an opportunity to get a new system. So HP had a back then like a like a mini mainframe computer, mm-hmm. sold for hundred thousand dollars, and there was a software that I thought could really work well, third party, for twenty five thousand. Hundred twenty doesn't sound like a lot of money today, but back then it was like probably a million dollars today. In fact, it is a million dollars today. So I found this. I had another another good. Uh, Partnership is to work with your banker uh-huh. or sure. anybody in the sure. in a financial uh-huh. Uh-huh. because they can provide a lot of that part. Because I always used to ask the banker when they took me to lunch. You know, obviously I knew they wanted my business, but I, I asked them, what's a, what's important to you guys? What do you want to see from me? 
the three C's, right? Right. And so, but I bought this thing on a lease. Mm -hmm. And I obligated the corporation. Mm -hmm. And so, but in doing so, I did one smart thing that you could do an early payout without no penalty. Right. Okay. Those are the days before that. Before, now you now that's part of the standard thing, but back then there wasn't. So I, I negotiated that. So when Mr. Alma came back and he found out I had done this, he was madder than hell. And so for three years he pounded. He told everybody, "This is Tony's Frankenstein." Called it. <laughs> and, and there for a while it, it was working, but it wasn't working like really good. When we did the Sandia just in time, it was like made. To fit like a glove, because that's what it was really made for. And so he had hired a company, a consulting company, to come in and, and do an analysis. And he said, Oh, it's working great, Mr. Holm. That's not the answer he wanted to hear. <laughs> but no, it was. It was really, and we had that system for like 25 years, and, and uh, we haven't found anything you know, quite like it that did the, the all the systems and everything else that we once did. You Proven know. itself. Yeah. But uh, you know, technology is what I'm getting. Automate as much as you can. Okay. And if you don't have the, if you don't have the wherewithal, there are a lot of bright young students at the universities that are willing to come and work for you. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and learn the business part, and they can sh share the technology for you. You know, and help you get through get through some of that stuff. You know, and uh, and that because if you do that, you're going to be more productive. We started with e-commerce in 2001, back when the internet was just coming into being. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And one of the things I was trying to do with Hispano, I was a vice chair at the site at the time of the of the of this Hispano, and I also worked with the Greater Albuquerque and other organizations, is to try to bring e-commerce into the small business sector. And I said, and you know, this is not a fad. This is going to be something that's going to be here for a long time to come. So. I was I was unable. That was one of my probably one of my setbacks that I think or my disappointments. I was unable to get a lot of the small business to to grasp the e-commerce, and you know there wasn't anything off the shelf. You know, so we tried to mm -hmm. to come up with some stuff that would work, mm -hmm. and uh, we invested. I invested uh, a lot of money in our e-commerce, and within a year or two, we were doing forty percent of our business on e-commerce. Now, that? if some uh, oh. people had taken my advice back then and got into e-commerce in 2001, when 2000, what was it, 20 hit with the pandemic, mm -hmm. think of the difference they would have made for their business. Yeah. To be able to do something online, products or services, they would, have, they would have been able to sustain their business. So those are the kind of opportunities you look for. Yes, you have to have the cash. You have to have good Good relationship with your with your financial institution, but you also need to be to a point where you take have the uh, automation uh, help you with uh, the business in the way that'll perform and increase your productivity and your accuracy. So look ahead. Okay, I mean, look ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the main points I think we've been hearing from you today are find your passion mm -hmm. and pursue it. Yes. So you knew that intuitively in a way when you walked into Holman's 
and then embraced it. Two weeks after it was. Two weeks, <laughs> right? Two weeks. That's fourteen pretty, days. Pretty, pretty, pretty quick turnaround there. It's clear. The passion's in your face. It's right. Oh, good. As if it were yesterday. Be prepared. That's the other important takeaway: is be prepared. Uh, for whatever's going to happen. The phones are down. Here's some quarters. Yeah, that's what people used to do. What do you do when people get sick? What do you do when the economy tanks? What have you? Also, the other P is to pay the price. You've paid the price with the hours that you've put into the work. Of course. You've paid the price by spending your own time whenever um, you could or what when you had to, to learn more. And we always pay a price. There's no, there's no way that human beings don't pay a price. And by that, I mean not just money. That's right. But being aware of the family, what price are they paying? If you're mm-hmm. doing this, what's happening with them? What price are you paying? So you always keep your eye, not in a necessarily just the monetary way, but what does it cost in relationships and your own sense of happiness and satisfaction? And that basically, I hear that it's built on the relationships that you built, and the trust, mm-hmm. which is what you ultimately had with your grandparents, but also certainly with the Holmans. Mm-hmm. And let me add, for those of you that want to know more, make sure you pick up a copy of From the Barrio to the Boardroom with all the insights that uh, yes. Mr. Tohio has shared with us today and, um, and more. And more, but you'll see the common themes of what he's talking about in his book. So thank you. Thank Thank you you. for sharing. Thank you. Appreciate it. Learned a lot from you. Thank you, John.